prayer uh, that you would have a servant's heart and that you would be a servant. And thankful for it. Thankful for the message of that song. Take your Bibles, if you would. Luke chapter number 23 this morning. Luke chapter number 23 this morning. And I want to draw your attention to a familiar passage of Scripture, one that you have probably read many times, one that you are not uh, unfamiliar with by any means whatsoever. But I believe uh, the Lord is, is reminding me of some things of the last couple of days that uh, were an encouragement to me. Yesterday uh, was a day of remembrance for me, a day of reflecting, if you would, because uh, July 15, 2009 is the day that I called on the name of the Lord to save me. And I remember where I was. I remember what was taking place. I remember all of those many details and uh, what a difference the Lord made in my life. And I remember being at uh, a teen camp in uh, Ohio, Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Camp Chautauqua was the camp. And uh, that week, Brother Johnny Pope and Brother Kenny Baldwin were preaching and uh, rotating services and all of that. And I remember that uh, I had already been wrestling with some things that week, really leading up to that week. And the Lord had been breaking through uh, in my own life as I was reminded that there was going to have to be a decision that was made. And I had everyone fooled except the Lord. And, uh, and later on would find out that my pastor was not shocked. He had actually been praying about some of those things and, um, was at team camp sitting on the second row. Kenny Baldwin was preaching and made the statement that just gripped my attention and reminded me that it did not matter what anyone knew, thought, or had to say about the matter. I had to make a choice. And he made the statement, I'd rather go through the motions of being saved twice than the reality of going to hell once. And in my mind, and I, you know, I had all, always been battling that and struggling with that. And it was that night when I called upon the name of the Lord to save me. And I'll tell you right now that that day changed my life. Six months later, after getting saved, I remember it finally surrendering to the call to preach. I didn't know what that meant, didn't know where it was going to take me, just knew that that's what the Lord's will was for my life. And as a 16-year-old young man, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm selling out. I'm giving all of me to you. Whatever it is, you just take my life and use it. And I'll, I'll tell you, I don't have any regrets. It's been such a joy to be able to serve the Lord. And I remember in that moment, my wife's pawpaw taking me to the altar and spending some time in prayer with me. And uh, I remember calling my parents and just telling them about the difference that the Lord was making in my life, and I called on the name of the Lord that night, and there was just pure joy. For the first time in a long time in my own life, I remember being able to finally go to sleep with peace. And this morning, you may be here, and you may say, I've never accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And maybe you're here, and you've been struggling with this. I don't know. I never want to doubt those things, and I want to encourage you this morning. And so take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter number 23, and look with me, if you would, for just a few moments at verse number 32. The Bible says, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. And they were come to the place, which is called Calvary. That's speaking of skull, if you would. And there are they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding. The rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. 
The superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. In John 19.30, the statement is made, it is finished. Verse 47 here says, Now when the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly, this was a righteous man. As you read verses 32 on down, you see a lot of statements that are very powerful. The statements that you begin to see are all dealing with the Lord, our, our Savior. And as you begin to walk through this passage of Scripture, notice some of these statements for just a moment. In verse number 34, the Bible says, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In verse 35, the statement is made at the very end, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. In verse 37, the Bible says, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Verse 39, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. As you go on and you read verse 41, I love this statement that is made right here in verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But notice this statement. It's a a statement that is very powerful. But this man, but this man hath done nothing amiss. Verse 47, the Bible goes on and says, Certainly this was a righteous man. You see, Jesus was different and still to this day is different. He's not like other men. There was this man that was hanging on a cross to his left and this man hanging on a cross to his right. And the statement is made, But this man hath done nothing amiss. He recognized something. As you look at this passage of Scripture, you see the, the, the cross and the difference the cross has made. And you begin to reflect on some things in your own life. And you ask the question, do I go back to the cross enough? I don't think we do. I don't think we truly want to go to the cross and look at the cross and understand what took place on that cross. You see, the cross, as you study Scripture and you understand, it was said that the cross, humanity was given evidence. At the cross, men are set free from the shackles of sin. At the cross, man's sinfulness crashed in the solid rock of ages, the Lord Jesus Christ. At the cross, the focus of eternity, past, present, and future, was directed toward the Son of God who was nailed and died for our sins and the world. At the cross... The viciousness, the vileness, the violence of man was exposed to its fullest degree while the compassion, purity, and humility of Christ was displayed for all to see. You see, at the cross, all men are confronted with a fork in their road that will determine their eternal destiny. At the cross, man's arrogance and God's authority are measured and put on a scale in each person's heart. 
At the cross, the loud rings of the hammer that slammed the iron spikes into the strong hands of Jesus continue to reverberate through the ages to our present day. Each blow of that hammer shouted out to the world for all time, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, at the cross, the valleys carved into Christ's body by the vengeance of scourge spewed forth crimson flow like flooded creeks after heavy rains. You see, at the cross, human history and guilt culminated that day. At the cross, the majesty of law was vindicated. At the cross, Satan's armor was removed. At the cross, the certain serpent's head was bruised. At the cross, the fires of the law were extinguished. At the cross, the world stripped of its charm and exposed. At the cross, every righteous judgment of God was perfectly met. At the cross, the bitters of life were sweetened. At the cross, the darkness of eternity was eradicated at the cross. The fountain of salvation was unsealed. Oh, praise the Lord for the cross. I love this passage of Scripture because as you walk to this passage of Scripture and you study what it has to say, and at the very end, in verse number 46, when the Bible says, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. July 15, 2009, I was confronted with that fork. You see, I had my whole life figured out. I was pursuing what Josh Farmer wanted to pursue. I had Josh Farmer fooled into thinking that my plans and my will was greater than God's plans and God's will. And in that moment, in that moment when Brother Kenny Ball was preaching, he basically eradicated everything that I had planned. He said, oh, you think you have it all figured out? Except for eternity. I remember that night, I remember sitting there and all of a sudden, all of my plans were shattered and I had to ask the question, am I willing to keep going through this? The sleepless nights, the discouraging days, the depressing days, the worry, all of it. And as I come to this passage of Scripture, I love what is taking place in this passage of Scripture because as you come to Luke chapter number 23, I want you to understand exactly what is taking place because these three crosses decorated Calvary, and as you begin to understand what is taking place in the outside walls of ancient Jerusalem, this is the city of prophets, priests, and preachers. This is the, the city in which Jesus and Jeremiah wept. This is the city that housed those who rejected Christ. This is the city where Solomon built the temple. The city that Babylonians invaded three times. This is the city where Temple of Herod was built. All of what is taking place leading up to these moments. This is a big moment in history. It is the greatest moment in history. And in this moment, you see our Savior at the forefront of everything as He is going to the cross to die for our sins. The very last thing that He does is remind us that even the cross couldn't hold Him back. As he looks to the other and he says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The centurion looking up, surely this man was a righteous man. You see, in this passage of scripture, I want to draw your attention to three things that are taking place. Notice with me, number one, the condition of these men. The condition of these men are the conditions that we see even today. Our world tells you that you don't need Jesus. Our world tells you that you can live and do and go and please yourself and, and do whatever you want to do. You don't have to think about eternity because we're all just going to go into the ground and that's the end of our days and there's nothing that takes place. God's Word says otherwise. 
You see, God's Word reminds us that just as real as hell is, that heaven too is real. And a decision has to be made, and the condition of these men are before our eyes right this very moment. You have to ask yourself the question concerning their condition. Number one, they were left to die. These two men were left to die. And in this very moment, ask yourself this question. Who were these men? You see, those questions are asked as you were to go and to open up the newspaper. You will come and you will begin to see name after name after name that has passed away yesterday. Tomorrow you will grab a piece of paper or the newspaper and you can open and you'll see those who passed away today. And I often wonder sometimes when I see posts that are made about someone who has passed, I often wonder what was their life like? I ask these questions, who are these men? Where are their families in this moment? What kind of upbringing did these men have? What was their their training like growing up? Did they ever have a, a good paying job? Did they have any children or a wife? Did what was the last uh, conversation that they had? What what was going through their minds? You ask that question. But as you look at the cross, you see Jesus. On the left you see a man, on the right you see a man and what was going through their minds? They were left to die. They're hanging on that cross. The one, the Bible tells us, as you read in verse number 39, and one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. All on the cross, you see the mockery, and you see the ridicule, and you see everything taking place. And the Bible says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man had done nothing amiss. But this man, you see, these men had a condition, they were left to die, but not only were they left to die, they were lacking a Savior. One of the men begins to rail on Christ, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. The other one looks at him and begins to rebuke him and reminds him, this is a different man. This isn't like your friends. This isn't like your father. This isn't like just so-and-so on the street. This man hath done nothing amiss. This man is a different man. The Bible tells us in those words in verse 41, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. As you recognize these three men, one of these men died in his sin. One of these men died to his sin, and the other one died for our sin. And we're reminded of that in this one story right this very moment, that praise God, he was willing to go to the cross, and he still had time, and he still had ability, he still had all power to look to a man and say, hey, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. As those centurions mocked him, and they spewed the hateful words, and they ridiculed him, and all of that moment, there was one man that understood that this man was a different man, that he had all power And he could still look at him and save his poor soul. I go back to that moment of my own salvation when I called upon the name of the Lord. and I was struggling. I was left to die. I was lacking a Savior. And in that moment, that was my condition. And this morning, you might have walked through the doors of the church, and that is your condition this morning. You've walked through the doors of the church, and your condition is that you are left to die, and you are lacking a Savior. You say, how am I left to die? Because the world doesn't care about you. But praise God, there's a Savior in heaven who does. Praise God that He's given us the Word of God and the Gospel is clear. It's understandable. We don't have to muddy it. We don't have to try to confuse it. It is very clear that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that word, whosoever. 
It doesn't mean that if you're good enough, because you'll never be good enough. It doesn't mean if you do this, because you'll never be able to do enough. It doesn't mean if you're this type or this person or this characteristic. No, it just means, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love it. The condition of these men. Notice with me, number two, the choices of these men. The choices of these men. As you walk through Scripture, it's very clear the two choices that are made. One of these men is going to choose eternal life in heaven. The other will choose hell. And as sad as that is to say, we recognize the truth. I believe the truth is presented right here to acknowledge and help us to realize that God is still powerful. You are looking there right this very moment. You say, oh, I've done too much sin. No, 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 no. Jesus is hanging on a cross. In that moment, all he has is his lips to be able to to look to that man and his head turns and he says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You walk the doors of church, you said, you don't understand. I don't understand, but Jesus does. And God's word is very clear that there is not anyone that is too far gone for Jesus to save. And in these moments right here, the choices are made. And this morning, I have to confess to you that you too are going to have to make a choice. When I first began to study this pastor scripture out, I, I titled it the 11th hour. Because as you begin to understand what is taking place right at the very last moments of this man's life. At 1015 or 1059. He turns and he looks at Jesus and says, save me if you can. And Jesus says, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, it's a a very sad reality that we must come to grips with that we are not promised tomorrow. And you're going to walk out the doors of the church this morning. You say, I'll figure that out. I'll keep praying about it. What's there to pray about? And two young men or two young people were up here on the platform just a couple of weeks ago. One of them came forward and was already ready to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And she'd been struggling with things and began to testify and share some things that they're struggling with. And they're still, right this very moment, struggling. Reaching out and she's needing prayer about certain things. And they're trying to get back to church and trying to get here. But things keep coming up and struggles are real. And she was sitting right here. I pulled two chairs and began to talk to them. And the, 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 the one man was sitting right here. The young lady had just accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. And I turned to the young man and said, Would you like for me to take God's Word and show you the truth of God's Word that you too can be saved? And as I began to walk through Scripture, he began to reveal some of his upbringing. He hated Christianity because it was shoved down his throat and all of the things that he saw were hypocrisy in his home. And he was struggling with that. He said, I don't want this. He said, I don't deserve this. I said, let me ask you this. I said, you go on a boat trip. You're out in the middle of the ocean. The boat begins to sink. All of a sudden, another boat comes by. You're griping and you're complaining. You're looking at your parents saying, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be out here with you on this boat. The ship is sinking. Another boat comes by and you're sitting on that boat. And that boat looks at you guys and says, hey, we see that you guys are shipping. Would you like to get on board? You're not going to look at that boat and say, no, I'm just going to stay in this boat while it sinks, are you? He said, no, I'd jump in the boat. I said, listen, the gospel is presented to you. He said, I don't do, I I didn't ask for all these things. No, you didn't. The gospel is plain and simple. Began to present it to him. And that young man was asking questions and he began to ask more and more questions. And he said, I didn't deserve all those things as I was in that house. So I said, you might not have, but Jesus understands all of those things. 
Are you willing to stay in the ship that is sinking that's going to take you to hell? Or do you want to get saved this evening and call upon the name of the Lord? With tears in his eyes, he says, and he just looks at me, he says, yes. You see, these two men right here are, are in a condition. They're left to die. They're lacking a Savior. One is going to choose the Lord. The other is not. And at this one moment, at 1059, the 11th hour, as he's hanging on the cross. He utters these words. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. 1059, and Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth unto the ninth hour. And the sun was dark, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Number three, this, this morning we see the compassion of our Savior as you notice what is taking place on the cross here. Jesus is listening. He understands everything that is being said. He understands everything that is before him. He understands everything that is going on. And in this moment, while he's listening to these both, both of these men, he is revealing his love still in these moments. I love it. In verse number 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiments and cast lots, and the people stood beholding and said, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen Son of God, or the chosen of God. You see, all of this, you see the compassion of the Lord. You ask the question, was it the nails, the crown of the cross? It was all. He died for all of us. He died as he suffered these things and went through all of this. This was real events that were taking place. And the Bible reminds us in these verses, in verse number 46, and when Jesus cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. You see, as you look to the cross, you see some things that are being said in these verses. Words of pardon, verse number 34, then said, Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments. And cast off words of pardon, words of promise, verse number 43. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Words of preparation in John 19, verse 26 and 27. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her unto his own home. Words of pain, Matthew twenty-seven forty-six, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Words of parchment, John nineteen twenty-eight. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Words of peace, Luke twenty three forty six. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Having said thus, he gave up the ghost. In words of power, John nineteen thirty. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. You see, this morning you've come to the house of God and there's going to be a decision that has to be made if you are in that place where you have not accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. 
You're either going to walk out the doors of the church this morning saying, I'll just, I'll just keep going down my own road. And I'm going to tell you right now, if there was anything that I have been made aware of in my own life is that if I went down Josh Farmer's road, I'd be discouraged, depressed, and hating life right now. I'm so grateful to God that the Lord has revealed to me that, hey, you might have a road, but I have a true road that I want you to walk down. And that road is a road of peace and a road of joy and a road, a road of hope and a road of, of compassion, a road that's going to give you all that you've ever desired without even realizing that that's exactly what you needed. You see, Jesus changed my life. He changed many others' lives this morning. But you're here this morning, you're saying, you just don't understand. I don't. But glory to God, there is a Savior in heaven who does. And I'm calling you to make a decision this morning. If you have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible is very clear. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The world speaks right there of the scope of that salvation. And that means that you're in that right there. It's not just for some. It's not just for those who might be good enough because not a soul is good enough. It's for every single one of us. And I want to encourage you this morning, get that settled. Call upon the name of the Lord and get salvation settled. Lord, we do thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. I thank you for the moment, Lord, in my own life when I called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. My life has never been the same since. Lord, there may be some that are here that don't know you as their personal Savior. And Lord, I want to encourage them to get that settled. Maybe someone knows a a co-worker, a family member, a friend, and Lord, they need prayer. They need to be bold and go and share the gospel. I pray that they would do so. Use this time of invitation the way you see fit. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you remain seated in your seats for just a moment? Heads bowed.